So I had a conversation with a friend of the show, Drew, and we end up talking about so many things. So what I'm going to do is break our conversation into several episodes. And so the first part would be our conversation where we discuss the new DC documentary Milestone Generations now on HBO Max. Enjoy. So the Dwayne McDuffie interviews was from a guy who was doing a documentary on Milestone back in 2008, mm-hmm. 2009, and the footage is horrible. And because I watched it, like he's put a bunch of it on YouTube. With him sitting in the shadows and stuff like that, where he's in the yeah. dark? Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and now they pulled all of it because I think Milestone, uh, I think they contacted the guy and purchased all of the footage. Because oh. the document, he never got a chance to finish the documentary. Yeah. So I think he was like able to sell it. Hopefully okay. they didn't just pilfer it, which it, it's some interesting pieces about the documentary. I don't want to be messy, but like, you notice how Dwayne's wife was only in that brief okay. scene. Yeah, I noticed that as well. And then he had a new person that looked kind of like his wife that kind of was just a friend talking with friend, his mother yeah. and stuff. I'm that like, was... wait a minute. I remember what his wife kind of looks like. And I'm like, and that's not her. And so when she finally kind of popped up at the end, I'm like, oh, okay. So there she goes. But I thought it was very strategic. I'll put it like that. Yeah. Well, a lot of that is those remaining guys don't like her whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it reminded me of the Courtney Love and the remaining members of Nirvana yeah, having an yeah. issue with who owns the rights to what. They want to continue the band in a way, but then, you know, this is my husband's thing and well, you're not really a part of the band. You're not the fourth member kind of thing, but legally. So yeah. it's And what they become what was Foo it? Foo Fighters. Uh, Foo Fighters. It is literally that type of situation. She kept them in litigation. I think I want to say six years total. Yeah. of litigation and finally i think dc came in with a heavy pocketbook to kind of please both sides yeah it's always so hard to tell you know it's easy to take a side because you kind of take the side of who you like or who you think is the correct person and sometimes with all that litigation it's because it falls differently than we we're thinking because it's kind of like first my first thought was like she's holding up my childhood you know basically yeah <laughs> i want milestones back and they can't be back because it's pretty much saying that her aka courtney love is holding up <laughs> or yoko ono yeah. right holding up my holding up my music also i thought about it too i was like well she was you know one even if she was part of it or not she seemed like she was very connected with things right and also legally that's her husband and when he's gone then it lands to her and so it could just have been something as simple as the guys feeling like well you didn't build this and we want our thing back and she's like yeah. well this is mine if you think it is or not legal you know but legally it is so it could be something simple as that and they might you know who knows they might not even want to pair right i don't know yeah because even they dennis and Dwayne, had like a little falling out the documentary swept it under the rug It's Jay. I'm back again for another one. And I have with me Drew. What's going on, man? What's good? What's good? I promise to behave this time. I seriously doubt it, but I appreciate yeah. you saying No, I'm that. not. I'm lying. I'm 100% <laughs> lying to you. 100% lying. Once the microphone comes on, it's just not my nature. I have two different personalities. I know you've seen it. 
a microphone comes on all of a sudden it's like who is this guy so yeah. i'm a believer i'm a believer <laughs> I, I really enjoyed our last conversation so yeah i did too now, i'm glad you're having me back oh, i uh, feel like i'm making it in life <laughs> this, okay <laughs> twice okay all right so, so what are we talking about today man well, it's something that's, even though it's new, parts of it has been here before, and it was a new milestone generations. I guess it's kind of like a documentary narrated by Method Man. M-E-T-H-O-D, man. And it just popped up not too long ago on HBO Max. When I saw it and I thought like, let me do like a little something about this. I was like, let me hit Drew up and see what he, yeah. what's his thoughts about this kind oh, of thing. Cause you, you're definitely into this kind of stuff. And I think that you would have a, a perspective on it as well as I. And I thought- Oh yeah, I woke up, it was the first thing I watched. It was oh. like, it was, you know, wash your face, brush your teeth and then go sit down. Like it was Saturday morning cartoons, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. so I was there for right away and it's not long and i think it's very important you know this is my more serious take i think it's important for everyone to watch this piece of history because there's been other comic book documentaries like a and e had like a Fortnite one a few years back yeah. the milestone got a slither of the conversation so it's always when it comes to black people or people of color in comic books the conversation is never in depth. This honestly may mark the first time that a major distributor such as Warner Brothers, a major company has put on a major platform, a documentary or a special or, or anything that was just dedicated to a, a black owned company and highlighted them. I've not seen Ken Burns or anybody else do this. Right. So I think it's important to like sit down with kids uh, especially artistic kids. I think art teachers need to play this film in their classes. Uh, I'm really serious about like art teachers need to do that, regardless of black or white, because this started, they described this as starting with Denny Cowan's like drawing with his buddy yeah. and saying we should do this and then doing it. And right. uh, my favorite, one of my favorite parts in the documentary was when one of the gentlemen said, and it was at the very beginning, it was like every black kid who's opened up a comic book has had this thought, I should make a black comic book. Yeah. I had that same thought too, but here's same the thing. Here. I wasn't a kid. I was, you know, my story with comic books is I didn't start reading comics until I was 36. Mm. I had never picked up a comic book until I had moved to the Pacific Northwest and read it, you know, front to back. Right. And so uh, that's part of the documentary that I'm working on, Uncaged is the name, is the working title of the documentary, but it's about David F. Walker, the gentleman who wrote the first comic book I ever read, wow. front to back. The wow. Luke Cage comic that was canceled, you know, and I started to learn comic book culture and it was like, it was crazy. In 2018, walking into a comic book store for the first time, uh, and this was late 2017, early 2018, Black Panther was about to be released. Mm -hmm. And then Black Panther was released and it got crazy buzz, right? Yeah, I remember. Tons of black faces, you know, like it's a black character in the storyline somewhere and they put them on the cover because they were trying to capitalize on black people, especially Generation X returning to the space buying black panther comics and buying luke cage comics 
So there was this boom of like, let's put all this diversity in. And that's where I entered comics. And it's funny because it reminded me of somebody who's might be, they might be called a racist person and they'll be like, well, I have a black friend. It's like yeah. all the comic companies were doing it. Hey, we have a black character. We got a black person in our, in our yeah. book. And it's almost sometimes just as shallow as that, as far as they have the image of a black person there, but yeah. do they have like an in-depth story? No, are, is, yeah. are they leading the comic book? Not necessarily, but just enough to show that we have this too. And um, the eye candy to get people to buy it. Yeah. But when you get to the pages, it's like, okay, the stories are not matching the image that you're showing me or, you know, yeah. so it's a lot of people played on that as well. And it was kind of cool that Milestone not only had like a black image on the cover, but also had a black journey, uh, culture yeah. and everything else within the book to go along with that image that drew you in there in the first place. Yeah. And I think that's the question. And I know it's your show, but you know, the question I have for you, and I always ask this of people, uh, especially when I went out like making my film about black comic books was that what was your experience as a young man, uh, you know, whatever age it was with Milestone, when those hit the shelves and when you discovered Milestone, what was it? What was it in real time for you when you discovered it? If anything, it's funny because sometimes this stuff kind of comes all corny. And part of me, when I hear it, it sounds corny, but being around when that went down, I believe when they say like seeing things let you know that they're possible or being included changes how you feel about things. Cause like I said, it's so used that it almost sounds like, you know, if you see a black person or a person look like you here or there, yeah, it's good to see, but you don't really don't need it. And that's a lie because that situation, like when milestones came out, like in like around 93, I was a couple of years out of high school. And so I was really into, you know, doing my art and stuff and really into comics and stuff. That's, you know, it was just so much going on back then with image comics, just, just, it was a change of things. It was really, it was another renaissance with comics. Everything was just popping, you know? And to be at that age and then seeing that, it's like, yeah, that could be done. Like, like how come this haven't happened after all this time? Because you almost broke into the point where you just accept that the way things are is how they should be. And you never question it. But seeing that it, it did just, if anybody's really into, you know, black imagery and superheroes and love that kind of stuff, you really were, if you didn't know it was okay too, it was really okay then. And then yeah. you had like everything kind of leaning in that same direction, which really, which really helped. And like I said, it was interesting to see like after Milestone did their thing, how all the other comic book companies start trying to ramp up their black characters. Everybody wanted yeah. a black character after well, that. Well, you know? over at, uh, over at Marvel, around that same time dc it was it could be credited as before but you know there's a difference between we know what's coming yeah and when it finally gets out right. and so they knew dc was uh coming with milestone and so marvel had really tried to amp up night thrasher mm -hmm. uh which has some problematic imagery but it was like hey what night thrasher was clearly a white character that yeah. they said let's turn him black real quick yeah. You know, and there was other characters that they was like, yeah, we got to hurry up and turn to black. Um, they brought Cage, you know, Marvel brought Cage to this, you know, to back in into mm -hmm. play. And the writing and that was just as tropey as the 1970s Luke Cage. Uh, right. So, you know, I think the documentary itself reminded me, I don't have the rich 
you know, like background with it, but it reminded me of my discovery of Milestone. I'm going through and I'm just like, oh, was there a black person in this issue of Superman? That was my gauge of like trying to find black comics. Mm -hmm. And this guy was like, you don't know about Milestone? Right. I was like, no. I knew about the Static Shock cartoon, right? Which a lot but of I people, didn't know yeah. about the whole entirety of the project. And I think they handed me, he found me Blood Syndicate number one and Hardware number one. And he found me like the first five icons. And when I tell you reading those first icons, like that was the one. And I'm not ashamed of who I was or who I am because it makes me as a whole person. Yeah. I used to be a conservative uh, like I considered myself to be a conservative Christian person. Okay. I used to be a pastor. And so I identified with Icon's conservative nature. Mm -hmm. And then as it was so funny, as I began to discover Icon and keep reading more, mm -hmm. I had already started to evolve also away from some of that conservative light. And, st and so I found myself evolving with Icon okay. as I was reading it. And then it was like after the first 12, 15 episode issues, mm -hmm. it just became a hunt. It just became like, yo, where can I get it? One day you go into one store and it'd be like 15 of them. Next day, some, you know, you never, you had a flea market. Somebody got the whole collection for 10 bucks or something. So, right. uh, but this documentary brought me back to that fun time of when I was chasing milestone uh, comics. What makes it interesting for you to be at that age when you started kind of getting into it and you went into it with a purpose. Like I just was just kind yeah. of reading comics because always like watching superheroes. So I didn't have, yeah. I didn't have an angle to go into. Sometimes me going to stuff after the fact, you have a, a deeper purpose, yeah. you know? And so you have a different kind of eye. So I'm sure your experience was really different and you could see all the holes in the boat as opposed to somebody who's just always been in the boat and just was yeah. like, you know, eh, it's just bumpy like that. But you're seeing yeah. like, well, it's bumpy because you, it's a hole right there. It's patched up right there. Yeah. You know, it's, sharks yeah. just tap on the side of the boat. That's why I was shaky. And, you, and for me, it's just like, oh, I'm just used to that boat. Yeah, just yeah. bumpy. Well, the, the writing, the one thing I would say about Milestone as a whole, it's in the doc, you know, I know it's not the documentary conversation, but it about is, Milestone as a whole. Yeah. The writing is mad dated, but it's dated properly because when I, because the art is dated well. And so it matches. So it's sort of like, I don't get mad when I watch New Jack City and be like, why is he saying things like this? Like it's perfectly encapsulated New Jack. So that's, that's funny and that's fair. But I will say, I was even back in 93 and 94 when I was, when their books were coming out, I was a little taken back by the words and stuff and the way it was written yeah. as well. And I can't tell if it's just because it was so different from what I was used to seeing with the, you know, growing up with Marvel and DC. I felt it was a lot, but like I said, it took me a minute to digest it because it was just very overwhelming. But the thing about it that I thought was fair is that they had all different kinds of perspectives. It wasn't like every book yeah. wasn't written like Blood Syndicate was. And right, every book wasn't, right written like icon was so at least it, it can break it up but some of those were kind of like you know they had like curse words i'm like they curse it in there and it was just a lot it was very heavy even for me back yeah. then but i think anything yeah. that's kind of new could be a little jarring i think when you're being honest and you'll discover this from watching the documentary a bunch of nerds made this yeah and so these weren't like the coolest dudes on the block so these were cats who probably weren't using slang naturally 
Yeah. But then had to pretend like they do. And so there's a big difference between what you have access to. And really, I hate to say it, but, you know, what's the difference between Sweet Christmas and Static Shock saying, yo, word up. You know what I'm saying? So it's like both of them is kind of like, you know... (laughs) Y'all need a, you know, now they have this thing called, uh, what what they call it? My good friend, Nicole, is one. Uh, she reads comics. She's a sensitivity reader. Okay. So she reads through comics to make sure that they're not trophy, racist, and saying things, you know. And so, like, she understands things as a queer black woman. Mm-hmm. She can cover a lot. And so she'll, you know, these straight, white, cisgender males are writing this queer black woman. And she's like, yeah, I would never say that this would never be said oh this isn't that you know this is not accurate yeah. uh and back then it was just them and white people who were like the editors were like i assume that's how y'all talk you know and and it just kept it moving there was no yeah. there was no hood person that was probably like on board and was like checking them like yo the script is corny because like nobody was saying that yeah it's interesting because even though they had gatekeepers they had a gatekeepers that didn't have any information on what to let in and what not to let in so it's almost like not having one and that kind of brings up a a point an issue i also have it's like yeah even as black content makers and creators especially for like comic books and movies and things like that and we're doing our own stories we got to be careful not to make the same mistakes that other people have done for us too because we could be just as guilty as doing cliche or bias or racist stuff or just you know, incorrect, yeah. and we and we think in our head. You know, we're just so used to hearing and seeing things that we just kind of give it back versus actually thinking about, like you said, is this person really would act like this? Would this person really say this kind of thing? Yeah. And so, even though it has our faces on it, and this creators that are doing it, doesn't necessarily mean that it could bypass some of the mess that we have to deal with with other people yeah. doing their interpretation of us. Yeah, Toni Morrison always framed it properly to me when she was asked, you know, when her first several books never got any acclaim. And white critics would always say, like, the second she stops writing for Negroes and stops writing in a Negro fashion, she'll win. And I believe she won uh, Pulitzer for, I want to say, with Songs of Solomon uh, that she won for that book. Uh, But when she finally won, she said, I never wrote and never will write in a white gaze and she always tells black creators she would always tell black creators right outside of the white gaze white people will be looking but invite them into a black vision of things and make them read that because the human uh humans have that capacity we assimilate it so they can assimilate so don't write within the white gaze and i think Milestone did a great job of blending the two and culturally like so for example and this is covered in the documentary one of the things that shut down or led to the demise of Milestone with the exception of the comic book speculator crash of the 90s which everyone was going to go away anyway like like they did but the thing that really kind of helped crash Milestone was the uh, 25th issue of uh, Static Shock where Static is on the couch with his girlfriend mm-hmm. and, she, and, he, and they have to show condoms on, on the, uh, as he's kissing his girlfriend passionately. Right. Now, had read that comic, spoiler alert, if you've not read Static Shock 25, they don't actually have sex. But Static is reviewing the concept in a very 
careful way that was one. I don't think they had as much of a problem with the sexual imagery, in my opinion, with that particular, and it wasn't even, I don't even think it was the editorial. I think one of the more problematic parts for mainstream white readers was that Static went and talked to his father about uh, the possibility of him having sex. Wow. He went and got protection. Yeah. He did what responsible families do and they they have open relationships with their children and that on display I think was more of a threat mm. than the condoms on the front and former editor in the documentary defends them and says there was nothing that salacious on any DC imprint at that time before BS so it, you know and I think you could say maybe not as salacious in different ways, but we're talking at that time, Catwoman, yeah. full cleavage out and every, you know, and, and drawn where so anatomically incorrect to where like if a woman really was that top heavy, she'll fall over. She would have <laughs> fell over. And we're yeah. talking Batman uh, with the Ku Klux Klan in the background where he's hanging one of them. Uh, you know, like, and I've got that one on the wall behind me there. Like, there are so many different negative images that DC put out. Yeah. Uh, and other comments, like, this was just a DC conversation, but there are other images that don't give off a certain value, but it was okay when your target demographic wants that. And I think it's an interesting and very nuanced conversation around what you know, was it the threat of black sexuality, like Dwayne McDuffie said? Right. Or to me, I thought it was the threat of black family being on display. And that sure could have been true. And I think that sometimes the arguments that people have in public is definitely not the argument that they have behind the scenes. Yeah. And it's easier to seem unfair about something that seemed like it may or may not matter versus something that's really big and you really don't want to have that conversation. So that person, you might have a real beef with them because of something else, but then the argument and fight happens over something petty. Yeah. You know? Well, well so I'm not going to name any names, but had been around people who have been around. So I'm, I'm going to pull a uh, Robin Harris, like I'm going to say the piccolo player kind of thing. Okay. I know the man that sat next to the man that sat next to the man that sat next to the man who often said that the resentment and the anger that was starting to rise to the surface was that the narrative was rewritten to where Dwayne McDuffie began to get more credit and began to have his handprint on something that didn't start with him originally. Like he was brought in and moused on itself. He's a part of the foundation. Yes. But it's Dennis and his best friend who's like drawing their first little comic book and shopping and selling and saying, we got to do this first. And then it's all these pieces that make Milestone what it was. But I think when people think about image bearers of like, I'm the one who created this. So there was always some animosity within. And this is what I like to say when I'm hearing from the man who sat next to the man who sat next to the man. And so hopefully y'all know that joke about the piccolo player in the church. Robin Harris has been dead for a long time. So I don't know if people know that joke. Look it up. It's one of my favorite jokes (laughs) in the world. Just look it up. And maybe because um, I've been hearing these stories and seeing the videos and things like that for a while that I kind of could put that 
together like how it could be some issues in that way yeah. even in this documentary they kind of show like you said they kind of show like those two buddies from school doing something together and then the opportunity presenting itself later on in the future and they bring folks in and stuff i will say that i don't feel like even though Dwayne mcduffie gets a lot of a lot of praise and everything i think that it's warranted i think that people can possibly you know people could add stuff like i said you may not be the person who started something but you may have the voice of the voice in the heart of the thing that you're you're joining even more so than the person who started because sometimes the person started it could get tied in because it's tied into them in a certain kind of way it's like it's like their baby it's their creation and sometimes it's hard to expand and let that creation grow but that yeah. cool uncle who loves the child just as much but didn't bear the child so it takes away some of the yeah. responsibility let them see a bigger picture of potential that it could be without the over restraints of the actual parent may have yeah. and so and i think the fact that uh Dwayne seemed very I'll say calculated and I don't mean in a bad way but yeah. sometimes being that way lets you have these different perspectives without judgment and it won't be anything like I'm trying to hide this or I'm trying to protect how this feels no it's just fair to do this this way it's fair to say this for this situation it's fair to say that it's fair to say that it's fair to say this and it could be managed out fairly without it being any kind of you know any undertones or anything funny behind it you know some people just work like that some people think like that and they can seem cold and, and like i said calculated but then sometimes you need that too yeah. at least for the foundation you know when i think about the documentary and think about it's a lot of important factors one Dwayne passed away what was it 2013 something like that yeah and so here's a man whose impact on the comic book industry stretches so to the point where I can actually draw in, we, like I told you, I'm doing this documentary about David F. Walker. And so when David went to his first Comic-Con, you know, he runs into Dwayne and he's like, yeah, I'm trying to break in. And, and Dwayne walks him around, introducing him to people. And Dwayne did this thing where he was going, if he was going somewhere, he'd tell you to come walk with him. And he did that with every black face that was trying to break into the industry every face that was just trying like he gave space to everyone not just black people but yeah. especially and so when i hear david tell that story and then i'm i watch david at these cons and he does the same thing Beautiful. he does these little walking tours he's like hey walk with me let's talk about your project <laughs> and so no matter what art you got whatever he's gonna look at it he's gonna give a critique he's gonna try to plug you in that's Dwayne's legacy yes where that's part of his personality and the type of leader he was and that's why i definitely agree with the idea that like he needs to be praised in the documentary i think they had they wanted to make it balanced because yeah. the surviving members were the ones in charge of putting the documentary together and yes. they wanted the story told from their vantage point so you saw Reginald Hudlin talking a little bit more, and he's more the. They wanted him in, according to the documentary at right. the beginning, but he's the new Dwayne, so to speak. Yes. And what was the the most interesting thing that both me and you talked about earlier before we started the show was all this representation was there. Dwayne's friend, and I'm using quotation marks, was in it a lot, yes. and it was one scene. It looked like it probably could have been shot with like source material from some something else. There was one scene with Dwayne's wife. Yeah. Now I could be wrong. It may have been more, but I thought I only saw one scene with her in it. 
and it was very towards the very end. Um, yeah. When her standing was visiting Dwayne's mother and mother, everything else. Yeah. So I knew what his wife looked like. So when I saw the woman speaking with his mom, I'm like, did I forget what, she, what his wife looks like? Is this yeah. new footage? Has the years changed things? Or I, I didn't know. I thought it was very it's, interesting. It's it's low. It's almost when you say something like, yeah, this was Dwayne's friend. It's like, I really hope that was legitimately his friend and they wasn't being messy. And they was like, let's bring his side, you know, side woman in. You know, like, are, are they dry snitching a little? Like, what was, because friend, I, I believe that men and women can be friends, but when people say that without explanation, it can sound shady. Especially when everybody else got a quote unquote writer, quote unquote illustrator, quote unquote yeah. artist, or quote unquote reporter. It's like all yeah. these taglines that goes along with their association to not just that they work with Dwayne, but they did something else besides just friend. So your designated yeah. friend is just this woman that's just the friend that goes talk to his mother? And it wasn't even friends with milestone it no. was Dwayne's friend <laughs> yeah it's so funny to put the quotation marks on friend because it insinuates all the shade <laughs> it's just like but it, it's yeah so like I thought that was interesting and you know the legal battle that they went through was not pretty because I believe they wanted to relaunch the full milestone and this was something that Dwayne was working on before his death. So I believe that they were going to come together. Yeah. Uh, we saw DC unsuccessfully launch a static shock. It was before the new relaunch, mm -hmm. where it was just the DC project. Yeah. Uh, and they took away Milestone from, you know, from, from the mix. I think that was the launch they did with the New 52. If I yeah, New correctly. 52. That's what mm -hmm. it was. So everybody got and their so, own book. Yeah, so we really, we saw, we saw some chances that you know some sparks there but when it came to a full milestone relaunch all of them had to get together and figure out how it was going to be done and i remember reading through like over over the years the different articles especially i want to say it was 2018 at san diego comic-con they they unleashed uh this whole milestone initiative not initiative because that's something separate but they they unveiled this whole plan yeah. that Milestone's coming back. With new comics, with new cartoons, new movies and live action stuff. Yeah. And, and then also this initiative to kind of, you know, re-up the new generation kind of thing. So that's what we got now. So 2017, they were like, this is coming. And then she was like, we got more court. Because they were saying that this was a 2018 project, like this is going to be. And I yeah. remember this because I remember part of my research and development for the film. I was like, OK, so we got Milestone coming back. Great. Right. And then it, it hit litigation and just got released. I want to say it was 2019 and then books hit the shelves 2020, 21. Yeah, their presentation of it did try to have us believe that it was good to go to the point where they even had the person in charge, Jim Lee, kind of be the person saying like, yeah, we, you know, like it deserves this and this is an important thing in history and blah, blah, blah. So even having him put his, you know, his stamp on it, the person kind of, you know, quote unquote, running things, being down for it and excited about it, you would assume it was good to go. Yeah, so I think the documentary... I think what's funny is one method man leaving marvel to do this and because i love method man had a, a podcast that he did exclusively for marvel called the marvel method mm. which if you don't know marvel method is the jack kirby 
and I want to say Stanley because we have to right. um, <laughs> you know, method of making a comic book. Right. But his name's Method Man, so it's a good play on words. But right. uh, the Marvel Method was very was a very thorough and a very good podcast. Like I really enjoyed every episode of it. And I know he had another uh, some other exclusive stuff going on, but he is serious about comic books. Yes. And so I think the opportunity for him to do the milestone thing was worth all you know for him to be able to be associated with that project. Uh, it was a little bit awkward. Uh, but I think sometimes when you have a, a, a documentary in a modern sense, there's so many fillers that have to go into a documentary. Now, it used to be Ken Burns was like, give me a picture mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm a pan over this picture, you know, and now, you know, you got to have the side story and these other things going in. And that's kind of what they did with this documentary. They put these black kids in a classroom, Method right. Man is teaching them, but he's really actually it's the reason that he's narrating it. Right. And it could have been just as strong of a story if it would have just been Met the Man in Staten Island on the Staten Island ferry with a bunch of milestone comic books saying, let me tell y'all a story. You know what I'm saying? Like, it would have been just as intriguing because we were there for milestone. So it was kind of weird they kept jumping in. Like, they really was dedicated to this classroom concept. Yeah, um... Yeah, it, it did remind me of somebody who, you know, put a tuxedo on but didn't take a shower. Wow. So <laughs> they had what they wanted to dress it up to be, but that's not what it was. And they really yeah. didn't have control over what it was because it was like all, for the most part, older footage. Yeah. And so since the bulk of it was something else, they were trying to repackage it. And like you were saying, it's, it's almost, it was kind of like almost like a rebranding. Because we know, like, you know, it, it consisted of like Dwayne McDuffie and Denny Cohen and michael davis and um derek dingle and so that was like the old school i was almost surprised like all the other folks that he had that worked with milestone back yeah. in the day kind of being in there because i thought that was kind of new because really, i thought that was cool too yeah because yeah. i know before when i seen stuff like that they didn't really talk about mm-hmm. anybody else but it's funny how the new lineup like you said they kind of reworked it where okay so they selling you on the magic that drew you in and got you in the first place. But now there's Reginald Hudland and yeah. Denny Cowan and Derek Dingle. And it's just funny. Like I said, they did a rebranding in front of you showing this is why you came in, but this is what you have now. And it's got to be hard. It got to be hard because like I said, it's not as if I ever thought that they didn't add anything to it. Of course they did. But when you have like the standout person, like, you know, Ralph Tresvin or Bobby Brown, you know, they stand out, but you know that they're stronger together. And you know, yeah. even though Ronnie might be back there or Michael Bivens might be doing his his, yeah. his his rap talk, to have a great new edition song, you need all those members, yeah. even the ones you think aren't doing the big thing. See what BBD did compared to everybody yeah. else who did solo. You know, yeah. it, the underdogs is just like the ones that show. So many thoughts are going through my mind. Right? That's a perfect analogy because I'm like Reginald Hudlin is is uh. It's Johnny Gill. You yeah, know, exactly. Like, and I'm like, ain't nobody coming to see you. Oh, this is what I really want to say to Dennis right. Cowens and this whole documentary. Right, right, right. Because he's Ralph. He's Ralph. He, he should have had the hit. It should be me. It should be me. But it was, it was, you know, it was, yeah. it was Ronnie. It, it was, it was Michael Bivens. You know, it was, yeah. Ronnie, it was Ronnie DeVoe. And I'm sorry. That's just how it worked the out. The rest of the temptation. Right. Yes. It's just like, yeah, nobody came to see you. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah. 
it's kind of like when you kind of move with those intentions, it kind of salties the water a little bit. I think Dwayne is going to get his own documentary one day or get his own uh, storyline about him and who he was and what he meant. Because I think there's this thing, and they, they, they briefly touch on it in the documentary, is that Dwayne got really big in the animation world. I would see him all and, the time. His name. Yeah. yeah. And I think those Justice League cartoons yes. stand up. And let, let's say this. Not just because it's an interesting transition, but let me say this, and I think you might you might agree with me. DC makes better animated films yeah. than they make real life action yeah. films. Yeah. Like their animated stuff, you can sit there all day, you can get lost all day. Like them Batman films, and they're adult films. Like yeah. I remember sitting down and watching one with my son one day and Batman was like, I don't give a damn. And I was like, what? Hold on. <laughs> Batman just cussed. Like it, it's it's those films are the best ones. Right. Um some of the best ones. There's one that they just put out recently on uh, the Green Lantern. It's great. Yeah. It's really good. It starts. Yeah, Alice, Alice Hodge. Alice Hodge is the Green Lantern now. Yeah. MC uh, Ren. Yeah. Yeah, the, well, from, yeah, I guess that would be with most people. That is the pop culture reference. And he's going to be the new Hawkman in the new Black Adam movie. Yeah. And that's an interesting thing to see how people are moving with some of these gigs. Yeah, once you're in that machine, the Warner Bros., they'll fold you into stuff for sure. They're good yeah. for that. Yeah, because Marvel's like, hey, you you blew your shot. You were in Spider-Man 2 three years ago and you died real quick. So can't bring in anything else, you know, like and. But DC, yeah, they've always had better animated uh, stories, more full. And the fact that Dwayne is a big part of that foundation, because Justice League is a classic. And I love that he represented not only uh, being a, a huge part of bringing Static Shock the cartoon to play, but also writing in Dakotaverse, you know, writing in people from Milestone into the mainstream comics because I have above me a uh, a bunch of milestone stuff, but you can see there's some Justice League right above me, where it's uh, Superman versus Icon, and so yeah. he did that Icon. I think it's Icon number sixteen, but then he turned around and did it again for Justice League, um, and then he inserted into the comics them into Justice League. So it's so important to recognize that. I think the reach of milestone. Like knowing that like Reginald Hutland turned it down because he was doing Boomerang at mm -hmm. the time. And it's like, uh, but then, you know, eventually they bring in, just to bring it back to Milestone, what's crazy about that is like, one of the things they don't get credit for enough was they actually did real diversity. So like, I can't think of his name right now, but they had several white characters with their own books. Mm -hmm. Like they actually implemented transgender characters, which is mentioned, uh, but you know, in Blood Syndicate, there's yeah. a transgender character. Called this Morph. Was, yeah, this is the early 90s mm -hmm. or, you know, mid, early to mid 90s. And they're bringing in the flavor of honestly, and this is the thing about Milestone too, that I think me being a person from Kansas City, mm -hmm. So if you don't know anything about Kansas City, it's heavily influenced by the Bay. So our some of our slang, so we're a combination of Houston. It's like if Houston and Oakland had a baby, right. it's going to speak Kansas City slang. You know, yeah. so I would go from like an E-40. Sprinkle.
gonna be mine. You know, from listening to E40 to UGK, you know, and we had our own influences too, because Tech Nine had his own style and Love the Midwest. Tech Nine. Strange music. Yeah, the Midwest had its own thing too. Not to just say we was always borrowing, because St. Louis, you know, we, uh, in Chicago, Crucial Conflict, Twister, mm-hmm. uh, we had our own flavor. I done got sidetracked, because that's what it does. <laughs> you get to talking hip hop and yeah, yeah. But, but Milestone had such an East Coast flavor to it. Yes. That I think that was another part of, it was an unapologetic East Coast flavor. I read the new Milestone, and I don't get that. Like now, I, I think Dakota verse could be anywhere. But when I read it before, I was like, "Oh, this is upstate New York. This is New York." But now it feels like it's a little bit more diverse. Right. Depends on how you go about doing inclusion. It could strip away the personality. That's just like you know, Oakland is not the same, and you know, <laughs> in New York, the Bronx ain't the same as the the That's new true. Bronx. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's very interesting. But it's an interesting documentary. It's a really good documentary from the standpoint of it makes you pull out some of your milestone books and, and just remember whatever your memories are with it. I would say this when it comes to milestone as a whole, they're doing a good job of what they're doing. One, like the initiative, right? really dope. Really nice kid from, from the Bay Area. Morgan Hampton uh, is a part of the initiative. He's all in the thing. Really proud of him and seeing his work saying he's going to work with them and, and doing things. That part's dope. The writing of the new books, I've gotten everyone but the Blood Syndicate. I've got the Icon Rocket and the hardware. Right. Um, and I don't know why they didn't put Blood Syndicate in my box, but I'm going to go ahead and just get the back issues. I was kind of like upset to find out it was out. And I told him literally everything Milestone put in my box. And yeah. I, so I told the guy, give me back issues if it didn't. Because he put this in my box. This came out, this uh, Milestone in History. Mm-hmm. That joint is uh, 88 pages, man. It's big. And it's kind of like, you remember they uh, did the history project? Yeah. DC did the history, the secret. It's kind of like that. It's just a, a grab. Now, you know what I hope they do for the fans is give us a copy of that Bible or make me it available. Too, yeah. I want a copy. I don't care if it's in black and white or whatever. Give me how it was. The Bible that y'all sat there and pulled together i want a copy of that bible i do too and i don't know where it's at and how we would get a hold of it because what this is this is like issues from hard key issues from hard the beginning of hardware mm-hmm. icon static uh and that was that zombie joint that they had and a couple of issues of shadow cabinet that's okay. what this is so remember when he was like oh this is light and he pulled out dc's original bonded together yeah. this is like a version of that okay and so and that was in stores and they said this is volume one they're going to be putting out other volumes and of course you know it's like 50 bucks and i'm gonna buy it because i'm stupid you know because <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's one of those things where it's like i've not read it but yeah. i had to have it just it's like kanye said and i hate to pull kanye but he's like you know i spent 100 bucks on this just to be like you ain't up on this you know right. so Right. Majority of my comics is that in a nutshell. It's like, oh, I got that. I'm trying to get Lobo number one, not because I think those two issues were great writing, but because they were the first black comic book that right. had a lead black and it got burned and thrown away and they shut it off after two issues. So I'm always chasing it down at a reasonable price because I find number one all the time, but I'm not paying $600 for it. I get it just so I can be like, oh yeah, I got that. 
you ain't got it. You know, like whatever, but it's part of the collective fun of, of being a collector. But with Milestone, it's still so hard to find. There's like a series, like when the boom started to happen, they weren't printing Milestones in large numbers after like Milestone, like after uh, like issue 25, 30, around in there. There's yeah. this window where like even with Icon, I think it goes up to 40 something. And there's this window where like the last 20 books are almost impossible to find. But then they still have no value. Even with documentaries like this, even with them relaunching, even when the Static Shock is in pre-production with Michael B. Jordan's uh, company, all this stuff is coming. And still you can get Static Shock car, uh, original books for 50 cents or free if you ask for it in a dollar or two. Mm. Um, number one, graded, is starting to go for like 75 bucks. That's it, huh? Uh, there's a 9.9 .9 graded joint at my comic book store. I've got some of the number ones that they had, mm -hmm. and all those number ones ain't been open yet. They're still in their original the little plastic that it came in. Yeah. So he sent them in the plastic. My hardware is open because Denny uh, signed it for me when I met him in Kansas City a few years ago. But And I don't believe in sending my comics off to get graded because I want people to be able to read them when they come over. Right. Um, everything on my wall can be touched. But it's right on. some of those original ones, people uh, were just sending to go get graded. So it's never been open from the manufacturer and they still were only coming back with 9.4 grades. And so I don't think Milestone is going to ever be um, like it's still hard to find. If you find them, keep them, pass them on to the next generation. That's my suggestion. Yeah, and that's what I'm doing with mine. I still have mine that was sealed and uh you have this extra cover over and plastic cover with milestone across and stuff. I still have mine sealed and I have one that I have that I opened up. When it comes to us, we better be used to seeing our value without confirmation from the outside. Right. That's ooh, that's good stuff right there. Yeah. It'll behoove us to move like that because a lot of times we make that mistake. So we need to make sure that we take care of things for ourselves. And then, you know, whenever everybody decides to acknowledge the greatness or how something's special or what something means to something, we'll already be fortified with, with what we have. Yeah. Well, man, my last thoughts on the documentary, I see it, it matches what I said at the beginning. You gotta go out and share this with young artists, young believers, young dreamers. Or just dreamers. I got a buddy who just sent me his comic book. He wrote his first comic book uh, last year and he sent it to me and David. And we really didn't like have a big response to it. Yeah. And it was little bitty things that he's proud of and he loved it. And it was little bitty things that he had to learn that he was just telling me that like, he was like, yo, I know that it's loud in the background, but I've got to start writing that in so that the artist can put little lines indicating sound or I've got to write in parts of the script that indicate the story behind the story. Right. So he was just telling the story and it was like, okay, yeah, this is a picture and these are words. And now he's learning the art of storytelling. And it's part of this guy is like 50 and he's right. He's making his first comic book Love and it. he's doing it based off of he purchased David Shaft, uh, one of David Shaft comics, 
And in it, David had this whole tutorial on how he makes a comic. Hmm. And so he was like, oh, that's how I write a script. He was making this just based off of, I always wanted to do it. Let me get an artist. Let me pencil this, these words in. Yeah. And now he's learning because he's grabbing. And David thought to do that because of people like Dwayne McDuffie saying, hey, yo, teach the next generation. Right. I think that's what's important about this is that let's put people on, like you said, so brilliantly. You know, our culture is really valuable and we have to be the, the ones who assesses that value and expresses to the next generation. This is where you're, you know, where you'll be celebrated. This is where we have to keep cultivating these environments of success. And I don't know what metrics HBO Max uses, but I want to make sure that they feel like it was worth their investment. So watch it twice, right? you know, so we can get another one and another one and so that they know that we're well represented uh, in this space. And it's really a blurred space to some extent, you know, it's, a, yeah. uh, it's up to us to watch it and, and pass it on to the next generation and inform people. I think it's beautiful what Dwayne passed to your friend and what your friend passed is to others. And that's very important. But then the other side of that too, being the artist, and the writer or whatnot, being humble and having humility and being open on the other side to receive when people are, you know, reaching out to you. It's so easy to be prideful about things and taking everything that somebody says to you as a slight when they're trying to help you. Sometimes we don't, we don't recognize a hug from a punch, you know, and it's totally different things, but it kind of feels the same if you don't know the difference, right? Somebody's embracing you, but you don't understand the intention. So, you know, it's easy to be sensitive. I'm a sensitive artist as well, but then also you got to learn, Hey, you don't know everything just to be open and any information you take in could better you. You don't have yeah. to know everything. It doesn't mean you're a failure. It just, you just mean you're growing. And sometimes it's easy to get stuck in your ways of doing things the way you do it or have an idea in your head without compromise. But when you're doing something that's going to be for the masses or for a company or whatnot, you know, even if you're doing your own thing, even your own standards, you got to kind of be open to compromise because even the product that you end up making is a relationship between you and the audience. It's not just you putting yourself on the audience, but it's kind of like you giving some in the eyes and giving some too. So you kind of got to meet it halfway. So even if it's, you know, I got my idea it gotta be exactly this sometimes you know with anything like raising a child or anything else you know how you're gonna raise that child till the child comes and you see that personality then you see how that relationship is not quite what you thought so you just find that middle of a road where how can i guide you the best i can and raise you and let you be you and me be me together and i think art and um especially when it comes to art that is a product in the end so artists be open be humble and um, good luck on your journey towards, you know, success and the things that you choose to do with your art, you know? Yeah. I enjoyed this documentary. Like I said, I, a lot of it I've seen before. It's interesting to see it presented the way it was presented. I think that it was a mod podge with the Method Man concept of the in the classroom thing, connected with some new information, new conversations, new inserts, but it, it was a lot of stuff in there I've seen before, but it was nice to, and interesting to see this configuration. I like how it was kind of put together to kind of launch this initiative of what they're trying to do with the next generation of uh, artists and writers. And I'm glad that they're giving back in a way with something that's being funded by a big company, because even though you could do things without bigger companies. You do need that capital. You do need that that funding and things like that um, 
to sometimes make these things happen. And it really seemed like people are really appreciating and also learning a lot and taking what they're learning. And I wish when I was younger, I had that kind of direction because for oh, a lot of us, we just kind of figured it out on our own. And, and actually, you know, we could have been ready, but if we didn't have that access, then it doesn't do any good. So when you have your talent and you have your stuff pulled together and you have the dedication and all that, and then you have the opportunity, you need all those parts to, to succeed. So um, when those things come together, it's a, a beautiful thing to see because you, you have so many talented people who have their stuff together, but no capital. Or you might have this thing to have all this money and capital, but don't know where to find the talent or find yeah. a person who's going to have the work ethic to, to, you know, get past the first issue. You know, everybody got one or something in them, but do you have 50 of them in you? Do you have 200? Do you have a long, you know, idea and story for what you want? An overall thing that you want to say with your, with your thing that you're making versus just one or two? Cause you know, it's complicated and it's very interesting, but I like what they're doing. Yeah. And like what you said, yeah. Uh, continue to watch the documentary. I hope we have more of them because we've seen this kind of before, but we kind of had to piece our own documentary together with all the little footage we would see here and there on YouTube. Yeah. Trying yeah. to rebuild the history of what happened with Milestone. So it's nice to see it kind of put together in a package where everybody can see it. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. But um, I'm looking forward to see what Milestone have coming up next. Looking forward to seeing your documentary and all yes. the work that you're doing. Congratulations again on being featured on there, your work being featured on there. And for you getting the, the credit, we're in a time where everything gets taken. Everybody takes images offline. People take yeah. your words, your song, your music offline. So to even be in a position where they did right by you and, yeah. and contacted you and did you right. And then if anything, money's great, but then also it's something about that, you know, acknowledgement. Yeah, you know, because you got my name money. wrong. Because I am, a I'm Andrew D. Morgan. They sent Andrew M. But let me tell you, that didn't stop this black kid joy. I was just like, all right, I'll be Andrew Mavit. I won't be, you know. And I put under a comment on Facebook in the comment section. I said, just in case Uncle David sees this, yes, I know my middle name is David, because every because he only calls me by that. And I signed my name with a D, a yeah. clear D every time. So very, like they wrote me my check with Andrew. It made me go back and pull out the check. And I was like, <laughs> the check had a D on it, but I guess just somebody in the thing, but I am not complaining. Like I said, congratulations. You put in so much work with everything from your family to your business, to looking out for others like myself. I'm glad to see you winning, man. Yeah, much deserved. Oh, no problem. I appreciate you. Thank you. All right, man. All right, so that was Jay and Drew in our discussion about Milestones Generation documentary now on HBO Max. Until next time, peace. Peace. So that was our conversation about Milestones Generation documentary now on HBO Max. Stay tuned where next we talk about the new Jon Stewart documentary where Drew's work is featured. Till next time.